was 16 years old, I wanted what every American teenager wants for their birthday, and, and that was a car. Okay, and so I had talked to my parents, you know, we've been planning about this, and my parents said, well, you need to pay for half of it. So I was getting, you know, a summer job, and I had worked, and I had saved up money, and I gave it to my parents, and so sure enough, I kind of waited until my birthday happened. And then my birthday came, and, and I was there, and, you know, I was looking at, uh, for an older car, because I didn't want to have a wreck and mess up a nice car, and so I was looking for older car, but I didn't really care. I just kind of wanted a car, and sure enough, that birthday morning, I sat at the breakfast table, and my parents gave me this box, and I opened it up, and there were keys in the box, and I was like, yes, I was so excited. I run out to the driveway, and in the driveway was a 1976 vet. That was a chevette, okay, but, you know, I mean... It was a vet, right? So, I mean, here it was. And I didn't care that it was orange. I didn't care that it had a hole in the passenger side floorboard. And when I would tell people, get in, put your feet on the dashboard, or you could be Fred Flintstone and run really fast and make the car go fast. I didn't care because it was my car, right? And it represented freedom. And I was so excited about it. And so the very first week I have my car, I decided I was going to go see a friend of mine who was a friend at church, and, and uh, my parents said I could drive over there to her house, and so I went and drove over there, and I'm driving back, and I'm thinking, ah, look at this, this is crazy, I'm in my car, right, and I'm driving, I exit off the interstate in San Antonio, Texas, I can't remember exactly where I was, and I came up over this hill, and I'm coming down the hill on the frontage road there, and all of a sudden, woo, woo, <laughs> I was like, no. Right, I look in my rearview mirror and there was a policeman by me. And I'm thinking, it's my first week. Oh my goodness, my parents are gonna be so upset. So I pull over to the side, you know, the policeman comes up and he says, Son, you know you were speeding? And I go, No, my speedometer doesn't work, so I didn't know that. But uh, he said, Well, you were. And he said, You were going 62 in a 55. And I'm like, Sir, I don't think my car can go 62, but that didn't work. And so then I finally just thought, okay, here's the deal. You know, this is my first week driving, and I'm a really good kid. I start telling the police officer, I go to church, I read my Bible, right? You know, I make good grades in school, I play sports, and, I and it didn't work, right? No mercy. There was like eight cars lined up, and they had like this speech draft. They had just like gotten all of us, and so he writes me this ticket. So here I am, and I'm driving home, and I have a ticket in my hand, and I'm thinking, this is like the worst day ever. And then as I'm driving home, I thought, hmm, I'm 16, remember? So how can I get out of this ticket? What could I do? And I remembered that one of my Sunday school teachers at church was a lawyer. And I thought, hey, maybe I could ask Mr. Dean. My kids aren't in here, are they? Are they sure? Okay. But maybe I could ask Mr. Dean. He works with students. Maybe he could help me out. And so I go to church the next Sunday, and I go up to Mr. Dean. And I said, Mr. Dean, you wouldn't believe this, but I got a speeding ticket. And is there anything that you could do to help me? So he's like, yeah, there is. You know what? Jeff, don't worry about it. I'll take it to my firm, and we'll get it fixed. I didn't know what that meant, but it sounded great to me, right? I'm like, you'll get it fixed. I'm like, fantastic, you know? And then he says, hey, but there will be a small charge. He goes, but, but we'll just, you know, I'll just run it through the firm. I'm like, no worries. I was saving up for a Corvette. I got a Chevette. I got a little extra dollars, right? So I could do that. I could do that. And so he says, I'll take care of it. So sure enough, the next Sunday I come to church and I go, Mr. Dean goes, hey, it's done. It's 
fixed. I'm like, yes, 16. I can't believe it. And so I'm thinking, this is incredible. This is great. And everything was worked out well for two weeks. And then after two weeks, my dad went to the mailbox and he gets the mail and he comes in and he's like, I wonder why Jeff is getting a letter from a law firm. And he opens up the mail and he realizes it. And then it was bye-bye car for like two weeks. You know, it was God. But I thought, hey, I'm being resourceful. I'm getting this thing fixed. But the fact of the matter is this, I was guilty. And I blew it. I messed up, right? And the law is there to show us that there is a standard. The law is there to show us, hey, and protect us. But it's sometimes we fall short. Now, maybe you've never gotten a speeding ticket. Congratulations, way to go. But I think for all of us, there's time in our life that we go, yeah, I kind of messed up. I, I, I can't do this. And even though we try to fix it on our own, whatever it is, we realize I can't fix it. It's like when you go to the doctor. You know, have you ever gone to the doctor and you get this page and they'd say, hey, fill out all these forms and you start to fill out the forms and you're like, hey, I'm in pretty good shape, right? I mean, like this whole page, I don't have any of this stuff, right? And then this page, I don't have any of this stuff. I don't have any of this. I'm doing great. And then you go, but I'm at the doctor. (laughs) Something's not right. Something's messed up. In all of our lives, we realize we fall short. We think we're good. We tell them, hey, we're really good. I go to church. I do these good things. But, but deep down inside, we know there's something that's not right. We look at the Ten Commandments and we say, hey, look at that. God, I, I don't commit murder. <laughs> I haven't killed anybody. I'm doing pretty good. And then Jesus comes along and says, hey, you've heard it said, do not murder. But I tell you, if you've hated somebody in your heart, you've already committed murder. Check. Hey, look, I haven't committed adultery, but Jesus said, if you've lusted after somebody in your heart, you're like, oh. And then we start going down the list and we realize I'm broken. I need help. And the law can't fix us. Being good doesn't fix us. Even religion, as much as we try, it won't ever fix us. We need something more. We need something outside of us. We need something bigger. And praise be to God for Ephesians 2, 8, 9, which comes along and says this, by grace you are saved through faith. Whoa, through faith. By grace you are saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not by works, lest no man should boast. So this morning we're beginning this brand new series. and It's just called the Genesis of Faith. And we're going to study a guy named Abraham. And Abraham is back in the Old Testament. And he lived 4,000 years ago. But i got to tell you, this guy is where faith really started. This guy was a guy God called. And he stepped out in faith and obedience because he realized he was broken inside. And he needed God. And he wanted a relationship with the Lord. And God did incredible work through him. Do you know that Abraham, Abraham is the father of three major world religions. Right? Christianity. Some of us grew up in Sunday school singing, Father Abraham had many sons, right? You remember that? Uh, Judaism traces back to Abraham. But even Islam, which is interesting, because 600 years after Jesus, Muhammad starts Islam, and Muhammad goes back and says, hey, wait a minute, you know, Christians, Jews, they go back to Abraham, but they go back to Abraham and Isaac. And so Muhammad looked and said, Abraham, let's go Ishmael. And so even 4,000 years later, the 
effects of this man are still being felt today. You talk about relevant, you talk about powerful, you talk about a message for all of us. Yeah, it's a journey of faith. That's why it says in Galatians chapter three, we're gonna put it up here. And it just says this, consider Abraham. Consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. It wasn't a righteousness that he did on his own. It wasn't something that he got fixed. It was he believed God and God credited him as righteousness. It's a faith journey. And God invites each of us to go on that journey. So I wanna invite you to join me today. Hey, if you have a Bible, open with me to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. You guys, I'm so excited about God's word and what God's teaching us today and so foundational for all of our lives, our spiritual lives and for how we live. Genesis chapter 12, first book of the Old Testament, um, right? If you don't have a Bible, we've got some free Bibles in the back or maybe you have a mobile device, you can access the scriptures online, follow along, we'll put the scripture on the screen. Genesis 1, God creates the heaven and the earth. Genesis 2, God creates man. Genesis 3, what happens? Sin. Sin enters into the world. Man realizes I'm broken. Inside of me, there is a sinful nature. And the sin of Adam has been passed on from generation to generation to generation. That's how you and I know. I mean, inside, we, we're broken and we need help. And yet, God didn't give up on Adam and Eve, just like God doesn't give up on us. In the midst of our sin, in the midst of our total depravity, God comes to us. And in Genesis 12, he calls out a guy named Abram. Now, Abram's name is later changed to Abraham, which we're going to see in our summer study. But today, we're going to see this call that initially came in Genesis chapter 12 to this guy, Abram. I'm just going to read verses 1 through 7, and then we'll unpack it together. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Iran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. I got to stop right there because you know how incredible this is? This is modern day Israel, right? And in 1948, what happened after World War II? This land, right? The Jewish state. To your offspring, I will give this land land. 4,000 years later, God is faithful. God always comes through. So Abram, it says, so he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. All right, I want you to check this out. First of all, we see God's call to Abram. God's call to Abram. Now notice it's God who takes the initiative. It's God who comes to Abram, just like it's God who takes the initiative with us. When we were dead in our sins and our transgressions, when we couldn't fix it, God steps in to offer hope and grace and mercy and love. Praise be to God. But God issues this call to Abram. He says, hey, leave your country, leave your people and your father's household and go to a land I will show you. 
Now, at that time, when he spoke, we know from Acts chapter 7, Stephen talking to the Sanhedrin, we know that they were living in the Ur of the Chaldeans. And in the Ur of the Chaldeans, where Abram was living with his family, it was all about idol worship. They were worshiping all these idols. And God says, Abram, you are different. You don't just fall in love with the pattern of the world right there. You follow me. I've got a bigger plan for you. I've got a bigger purpose for you. Now notice about this call. Notice it's personal, right? Leave your country, your people, your father's household. God's call is always personal to us. And there comes a point for every person, for every person, when it's not your country's faith, when it's not your family's faith, when it's not even your parents' faith, it becomes your faith. <laughs> it's your call. Will you step out? Will you follow? Not what everybody else is doing, but you personally. God is inviting you. It's personal. Secondly, it's progressive, right? It's progressive. It's not just, hey, I'm going to call you one time. It is, I want you to follow me. I want you to go on a journey with me. There's going to be steps of faith and obedience all along the way. It's not just I take one step and it's over. That's it. No, it's progressive. And then third, look at this. It's full of promise, <laughs> It's full of promise. Isn't that awesome? I mean, when you read that, it's like, I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And all these things. And you're just going, yes. I want to follow the Lord. So God's call comes to Abram. But God's call also comes to us. God's call comes to you. And it's a personal call. Now, here's some things I want you to see about this. God's call, there's three different facets. Number one is this. There's the general will of God. The general will of God. The general will of God for all mankind. And that's this, that you and I have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. When we couldn't fix it, God came to us. He sent his son who died on a cross to pay the price for our sins. Praise God. That's the gospel. And you and I can try religion all day long. You and I can try to be good enough all day long. You and I can try to, you know, make things happen ourselves. But at some point, we have to realize it is by grace we are saved through faith. In John 3, 16, most famous verse in the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave. He took the initiative. He gave his one and only son. And whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life for you. Have you made that commitment to Christ? Have you followed? The second part of that is there's God's general will, but then there's God's specific will. And God's specific will for all believers is that you and I mature in our faith. Romans chapter 8 verse 29 says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined, meaning God has a plan for you, he also predestined that you would be conformed to the likeness of his son. So you and I are following God. But every day we're saying, am I more like Jesus? Am I pursuing him? If every day I wake up and say, I love God more today and I love other people more today, hey, I've had a successful day. And then there's God's personal will. God's personal will. And this is what many times we all pray for, right? And God, you know, who should I date? Who should I marry? Uh, God, what job should I take? Where should I live? We want to get down to the personal will. God, what about this? What about this? And God has a personal will for every one of us. I love that. Our God is a God of the details. Our God cares about what's going on in our lives. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, 
right? Just like he called Abram out of worshiping idols, out of all that stuff. He says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do you realize that God has a good will for your life? But he also has a pleasing will for your life and a perfect will for your life. God is a God of the details. And God is saying, follow me, trust me. So look what we learn from Abram. First of all, we learn this. Abram followed God. Abram followed God. Chapter 12, verse 1, it says, The Lord had said to Abram. And notice that's past tense. So this could have been that God spoke to him when he was a child. It could have been when he spoke to him when he was a student. It could have been sp- spoke to him when he was a young adult. Um, this past week, I had the opportunity to go up to student camp on Thursday. And, and I love camp, I got to tell you. I mean, and just watching all these kids and watching all these students and just seeing God work and move in their lives. It's awesome. Guys, you have incredible kids. Everybody, I mean, you just, I just watch your kids and see how they love the Lord and how excited they are. And you got great kids. But I, when I'm at camp, you're hearing about all these kids making decisions and commitments. And I did when I was in ninth grade. I made a huge commitment to Christ. And I often think about why is that? Why is it at camp or on a mission trip or on a retreat? Why is it that we make commitments there? And you know why I think it is? Because we get away from all the noise. <laughs> And we pull back and we listen for God. You know how much noise we have in our life? Right? We wake up and, man, it's immediately check social media and see what's happening on Facebook or Instagram or see what's going on. And then throughout the day we're checking stock prices or we're checking sports or we're watching Netflix. And then at night we go to bed and then we wake up the next day. We're, we're living in this noise. And, and when we pull back for a little bit and just say, God, speak. God, I want to hear from you. I want to follow you. Some people go, well, I don't ever hear God speak to me. And I say, do you want to? Because sometimes we don't want to, right? Because we don't want, God, I don't know what you're going to say, but, but I'll like my comfortable life over here. And God's going, no, 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 trust me. I got bigger plans than you can imagine. But you got to listen. You got to listen. Abram listened. Abram followed God. He listened to the Lord. Look at number two is this. When you hear from God, then you have to decide, are you going to obey? You have to decide. Abram listened to God, and then he had to decide, am I going to obey? If you go back to the end of Genesis chapter 11, it tells us this about Abram's dad. In verse 31, it says in Genesis chapter 11, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from the Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. So Terah, now we don't know if God called Terah or if God called Abram there in the Ur of Chaldeans and Abram said, hey, dad, listen, God's called us to leave this place and go to this other land. But Terah at some point took Abram and Sarah and Lot and they left and they went 600 miles from Ur of the Chaldeans to Haran. But instead of going the 400 miles down to Canaan, it says they settled there. <laughs> they settled there. Terah went halfway. <laughs> And he stopped. And I think a lot of people go halfway with God. And they stop. 
See, obedience, it involves faith. <laughs> obedience always involves faith. Notice when, when God called Abram, he said, hey, go to a land I will show you. He didn't say exactly where they were going. He didn't say what it was going to be like there. He didn't give them a what to bring list. And, you know, he, come on. He just said, come on. Do you remember when Jesus called his first disciples? What did he say? Come follow me. He didn't say where they were going. He didn't say how long they would be gone. He didn't say, hey, bring some spending money for snacks. He just said, come follow me. It's about being obedient every day. God, what do you want to do today? Where are you leading me today? What do you have planned today? I'm going to follow you. It's obedience. Here's number three is this. God will bless you when you obey. God will bless you. Now notice, I want to go back to this covenant promise that God made. Look in verse two. God told Abram, listen, you can hear me calling you. You step out, you follow me, and I'm going to bless you. This is the covenant promise that is so powerful. But he says in verse two, I will make you into a great nation. Now, Abram is 75 years old, and Abram doesn't have any kids. <laughs> and Abram's hearing this and going, really? How are you going to do that? And God's going, just trust me. <laughs> I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great. Whoa, did he? Man, Abraham, everybody knows Abraham, right? And you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. God came through. And when you commit your life to Christ, I want to tell you, God blesses you. Now, I'm not a big health and wealth gospel guy, meaning this, when you accept Christ, then everything in your life is perfect, because I don't believe that. There's a lot of people who have challenges. You go look through Scripture. There's a lot of strong believers I know who face challenges. But in the middle of those challenges, there are incredible blessings. <laughs> there is joy. There is peace. There is purpose. And there is blessings beyond our imagination. And God will bless you if we follow. See, Tara stopped in Iran, and he missed out on the blessings that God was doing. And I just think, oh, man. Yes, there is heaven to come. Yes, there's blessings beyond our imagination. But there are blessings every day when you follow. And your obedience matters. He said all the peoples will be blessed through you. And when you're obedient to God's call, I want to tell you, it impacts other people. Your obedience impacts other people. And then number four, get this. The journey is not about the destination. The journey is about the relationship with God. The journey's not about the destination. Look what Abram does when he arrives in Canaan, when he arrives in this beautiful land. Verse 7, the last verse we read. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who appeared to him. What does he do? He doesn't just come into the land and go, wow, look at all this land. This is awesome. I'm going to build my whole castle right here. I'm going to build my kingdom right here. Thanks, God. See ya. Yeah, I'm going to focus on this. Because he realized the journey wasn't just about the destination. It was about the relationship with God. No, no, no. Listen, listen, listen. This can happen to us, right? We pray about a job. And we pray and we pray and we pray. And then we get the job. And then we're like, peace out, God, because I got this job. I got to work. And I've got to do this. And I don't have time for church. I don't have time for being a small group. I don't have time to do service or missions. But because I've got to build this. God's like, no, 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 no. You're missing it. 
And we pray about a boyfriend, we pray about a girlfriend, we pray about a relationship, we pray to get married, or we pray to have kids. And then we have kids, and then we're like, well, God, I can't be at church. I, yeah, we got travel ball. I mean, who has time for that? Hey, God, I can't be this because I've got this. And God's going, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Don't miss the whole journey. It's not about the destination. It's about the relationship with me. So Abram built an altar to the Lord. And you and I, man, we've got to keep focused on the Lord. We've got to keep focused if we're going to grow in him. We've got to keep focused if we're going to raise up a generation that's going to say, hey, we want to follow the Lord. We've got to say, look, it's him. God blesses. God gives. God provides. It's all him. Here's some things I think that we learned that are so important. Number one is this. We will not know God's personal will for our lives until we are living in God's general will for our lives, committing our lives to Christ, and following God's specific will for our lives. Okay? Let me back that up a little bit. We will not know God's personal will for our lives. A lot of times we want to pray about the personal. Who should I date? Who should I marry? What job should I take? Where should we live? And God's going, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'll get to the personal. But first, make sure you have a commitment with me, right? God's general will that we are following Christ, that we are committed in a relationship with God. And then make sure you're living out my specific will that you are pursuing Jesus, that your life is looking more like Christ, that you're spending time in the word, that you're praying, that you're seeking him. When you do that, God says, I'll take care of the details of the personal. You know, Abram's looking at this going, he's gonna make me into a great nation and I'm 75. How in the world is he gonna do that? Now I could sit here and spend time trying to figure out how he's gonna do that or I could be obedient and follow him and God goes, watch this. Yeah, maybe 25 years more, but I'm going to bring the answer. I'm going to fulfill it. And for a lot of times, God's spoken to us, maybe as a kid or a student or a young adult, or maybe it was last Sunday. And when God speaks to us, then we can say, hey, I want to follow it. I want to know. And God's going to work it out in his timing. God's going to bring this to fruition, this desire of my heart. But I want to follow his general will and his specific will and allow him to take care of the personal will for me. Does that make sense? Second thing is this. We need to be ready to listen. We need to be ready to listen to God. I believe God is always speaking. I do. I believe God is always speaking. Now, now, sometimes he uses an audible voice, but very rarely does he do that. There's only been a few times in my life that I've heard God speak audibly. Uh, one time was when I was dating Lisa, my, my wife, and, and I was by my bed in my apartment all by myself, and I was by my bed, and I was praying. I was like, God, is she the one? And I literally heard God say, she's the one. I mean, like so much I looked around, I was like, whoa, who else is in here, you know? But it was like, she's the one. And praise God, because she's awesome. She's amazing, and I'm so grateful. But many times God speaks through the still, small voice, through the Holy Spirit, And there's times you just have this prompting of the Spirit. You're like, that's the Lord. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's where I'm supposed to go. And sometimes God speaks through his word. You're reading a passage of scripture and you're like, oh, that's me. (laughs) I've read that before, but, but now God's speaking to me. Sometimes God speaks through, whether it's a sermon or a song, or sometimes God speaks through wise counsel. And you're meeting with somebody and a mentor or somebody at church and and they, you're like, that's it. That's the Lord. God always speaks. The question is, will we listen? <laughs> God always speaks. The question is, will we listen? 
And then this, when God speaks, we must obey. When God speaks, we must obey. God doesn't just speak and say, hey, here's something to take under advisement. And a lot of times we do that. We go, okay, God, that's a great idea, God. I love that idea. Let me evaluate that with my other options, God, and I'll decide what I'm going to do. <laughs> or, or God, that's a great thought. Maybe, yeah, I need to be doing that. But, but, but God, listen, here's what's going on, and here's my excuse, and here's why I can't work. And Luke chapter 9, Jesus calls these guys to come follow him. And one of them goes, I can't, you know. I, I got to go bury my dad. Now, his dad wasn't dead. But he was saying, hey, when my dad dies, when I get everything kind of settled with the estate, then I'll come follow you and I'll get serious. And Jesus is like, what? No, 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 no. I mean, it was like excuse after excuse. And for us, when God speaks, will we offer excuses or will we obey? And then when God invites us, God invites us to a life of faith. Guys, get this. God invites us to a life of faith. For Abram, it was a journey. Yeah, he left the earth of the Chaldeans, went 600 miles, and then gets to Iran, and it was another, you know, down into Canaan. It was 1,000 miles. But every journey of 1,000 miles, right, begins with one step. It's a step of obedience. It's a step of faithfulness. It's a step to follow. And for Abram, there's going to be other steps to take. There's going to be other times where he's going to pray and listen, and God is taking him on a journey, and God's taking you. And it's a journey of faith. And every day we can try to fix it ourselves, we can try to do it ourselves, or we can say, God, I trust you. And God, I want to follow you. God, I want to hold on to you. God's inviting you on an incredible journey. See, I don't know what God is saying to you, but I know God's speaking. And maybe for you, maybe, maybe it's a, God's speaking to you about salvation. <laughs> You've been one of these, man, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to make it happen. Guys, it's like jumping over the Grand Canyon, right? I don't care if I could jump eight feet. I don't care if I go work out and build my quads and I could jump 12 feet. I don't care if Carl Lewis comes and jumps 28 feet. We're, we're all going down. We're not going to make it. We need a Savior. At some point, you realize in your life, hey, I, I'm broken. I've sinned. I've messed up. God, I need your forgiveness. Maybe God's speaking to you about salvation. Maybe God's speaking to you about baptism. Maybe you've gone halfway, right? Made a commitment in my life, but I haven't made it public. Maybe God's speaking to you about serving. Maybe God's speaking to you about praying with your spouse. Maybe God's speaking to you about missions. Maybe God's speaking to you about discipling your kids. Maybe God's speaking to you. I don't even know. But I know this. <laughs> there is a God who knows your name. And there is a God who has called you on the adventure of a lifetime and saying, come follow me and I will bless you and I'll do great things in your life, things that you can't even dream or you can't even imagine. Will you trust me?